0: Hello and welcome to the Profitable Practice Podcast with me, Andrea Maxim, naturopathic doctor turned healthpreneur. And every week I'm bringing you no nonsense, no BS, actionable strategies to create a practice that is not only profitable, but fully sustainable by you. If you're an action taker like me and want to create a practice that is profitable, then you've come to the right place. Hello, hello, everyone. I just wanted to welcome you back to another episode of the Profitable Practice Podcast. And if you guys can believe it, this is episode number 76. In my wildest dreams, I never would have imagined that I would be well on my way to recording over 100 episodes by the end of this year. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you guys. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be making these episodes and inviting these guests and sharing my personal stories about my own business and my own life if it wasn't for you guys listening and subscribing. So please, I would love to hear your stories on how this podcast is helping you. Hit me up on Instagram, on Facebook, send me an email, and just give me a little antidote of how a particular episode really changed your mindset around your business how you took some of my advice and implemented it and what the results were. And of course, even better, leave that review on iTunes so that we can get this podcast being shared out to more and more people that need it because I know the value of these shows and the people that I bring onto the show and I'm hearing it from you guys. So I wanted to say thank you so much. Now for today's episode, I brought on Dr. Ronald Hoffman. He is a medical doctor by trade, but does a lot of integrative therapy in New York. And what I thought was really great about this interview is we talked a lot about sort of starting up your business and figuring out your identity as a practitioner, not feeling the pressure to pigeonhole yourself into a particular niche or a particular brand of medicine, but more talking about how you can be a general practitioner to your patients, but still be widely successful in your practice. Because what it comes down to is more the essence and the uh, um, how authentic you are at being the practitioner that you are, not about pigeonholing yourself into a particular niche or doing a particular therapy or having a particular brand, but really just standing for what you believe in as a practitioner and just showing the world that. And we talk about how you can then go on and market yourself. So even in my business, I firmly believe that I think niching and figuring out your path makes things a lot easier, but I run a very generalized practice. You know, I focus a lot On digestion and hormones and weight loss but I do still treat a lot of pregnant people and their kids and um, you know a lot of chronic illnesses and autoimmune diseases but I tout myself as someone who maximizes their health so we can maximize your digestion maximize your hormones maximize your weight loss but more importantly we're maximizing your health and that was my way of branding my authentic self in a generalized practice So please don't feel while you're listening to this that you have to go down a particular single lane path. You can definitely divide your knowledge across the field, but you still have to figure out that one way that you want to speak to your audience and how to get in front of those people. So I hope you find this interview very, um, maybe taking the stress off a little bit, very eye opening, um, letting you you know, stop running and just take a step back and take a few deep breaths and figure out how you want to practice. Um, But before we jump into the interview with Ronald, I want to take a moment to talk about the sponsor of this podcast. It is the seven-day detox program that I run in my business and have since I started, really. And it is the best source of residual income. It is the best protocol that I've run with any of my patients, especially those that don't have a lot of obvious things going wrong with them but just want a generalized reset and you can check all of that out at maximizedbusiness.ca forward slash seven the number seven day detox program. And once you download all the material, you can basically completely rebrand it, take it, do with what you will with that. And as soon as you've had one patient go through it, it's paid for itself. So I wanted it to be um, very, very inexpensive for you guys, but incredibly impactful on your business. So check that out, MaximizeBusiness.ca forward slash seven day detox program. Okay, let's jump into the interview with Ronald. Hello Ronald. Thank you so much for being on the Profitable Practice podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Very well, thank you. Thank you, Andrea, for, for interviewing me.
0: Yeah, oh my goodness. It's my pleasure. Like the 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 accolades and the acknowledgments and what you've been able to accomplish in your business, I think is phenomenal. And it's also so nice to have a doctor come on the show that focuses on complementary and alternative medicine and integrative medicine, but you've also stepped out into being an author and running a TV show and doing just some amazing things. So the pleasure is all mine, but for those that don't know who you are just yet, would you mind just giving us kind of a bit of a background into you and how you grew into the practitioner that you are today?
1: Okay, sure. Uh, Well, you know, i start with the top down. You know, uh, I'm a medical doctor. Uh, I'm uh, conventionally trained. Uh, but I also kind of left the fold of conventional medicine uh, when I completed my medical training in the 1980s, and I began to practice integrative and complementary medicine. I uh, developed uh, the Hoffman Center, uh, where I've been practicing. Uh, I also do a radio program. I've appeared on uh, TV. I don't have my own uh, TV program, but I uh, now do uh, a series of what I call the Intelligent Medicine Podcasts, in addition to a syndicated radio program called Intelligent Medicine. Uh, and I write, and I lecture, and I uh, feel that that's you know, a lot of fun because it. it I think uh, in the true spirit of doctor, the true meaning of doctor is not someone who uh, cares for patients, but actually comes from the word teacher. And uh, we teach our patients, uh, but also I feel I can uh, leverage my skills, uh, not so much one-on-one, uh, but in a mass effect, Uh, via the media, uh, via social media Mm -hmm. and via uh, the podcast that I'm doing.
0: So we were kind of talking about this before jumping onto the podcast. And I think this is a really beautiful place for us to start the interview is I find when people are just getting out in business, they're being forced to peg themselves as I am the doctor of Digestion I'm the doctor of Lyme disease. I'm a cancer doctor. I'm a this doctor Um, Do you think that or with your practice? Did you niche yourself to start to develop this reputation that you have?
1: Well, you know quite honestly I I put a little bit the cart before the horse because uh, I was fortunate enough in my practice uh, in the very early days uh, to have an opportunity to to uh, have my own radio program, which is an unusual opportunity. Uh, but in the New York market, there's really a tradition of uh, health-related radio programs. Uh, my predecessor was uh, Carlton Fredericks. If anyone remembers who he was, he was a radio pioneer. He was uh, the answer man when it came to health. But he was also a very uh, holistically-oriented uh, guy. He worked for Dr. Atkins for a while. So I became uh, heir apparent to his audience. Uh, I also because of the proximity of of where I live to NBC, ABC, Fox News, uh, CNN, uh, you know, I I was frequently called upon to do uh, TV and appear and, you know, weigh in on any number of topics, health topics, you know, whatever the celebrity disease of the week or, Mm -hmm. you know, the uh, whatever new epidemic was coming down the pike. Uh, So I, I got a lot of media exposure. So. Uh, at the time I, I, wanted to take media training. I, I wanted to talk to one of the top experts in, uh, you know, TV, uh, media, uh, all the accoutrements of that, you know, how to appear, how to look, how to, you know, create a soundbite. Uh, and, um, it was actually quite expensive even in, in that day. And at the end of, uh, one of our sessions, uh, this uh, woman looked at me and said, well, you know, the most important thing is not so much how you say it, Mm uh, uh, it's, or even what you say, it's where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I hear from you is, you know, you, you're the master of a lot of facts, but I really want to get a strong sense of where you're coming from. So I think you should work on that. Mm -hmm. Well, Okay, I was kind of taken aback because I thought, well, how am I going to acquire that? But that's actually not something that you can pick up off the shelf. You can't go to a retail store and say, well, here's my identity. You have to develop an identity and then grow into it. And the problem with me is that uh, I can't really confine myself to one very uh, narrow niched area. I'm hopelessly eclectic. Maybe I have some form of uh, uh, functional ADD. But... Uh, But as a result, I kind of cover all the bases when it comes to uh, integrative and natural medicine. Uh, So finally, uh, I kind of grew into the role of being uh, an expert in what I term intelligent medicine. This was actually the title of one of my books. And I said, this is really great because that's what I'm all about. The best of both worlds, the best of high tech medicine, the best of natural therapies. We put those together for you. And, yeah, that may be a little bit uh, not narrow band, but maybe wide band enough to uh, capture a lot of interest. Because when I'm doing a podcast, you never know right. what you're going to hear, and you know it may be applicable to you. So anyway, so it, it, my advice. To, it, by the way, that it, everyone has to find their own path. It, it could be something very narrow. It could be you could be the CBD practitioner for mm-hmm. your state, mm-hmm. you know, or like for the nation. You could be the premier CBD expert, yeah. cannabidiol Uh, you could be, uh, the world's expert on female urology, you know, Mm -hmm. let's pick a, you know, laser like focus. Uh, and that helps if you can do that, if that suits your personality and your orientation.
0: And so this is the the kind of where I was going from is I I find now when you listen to online courses and when you talk to people that are trying to help somebody brand themselves, often niching is a big part of that conversation. Now, Mm -hmm. as a naturopathic doctor and perhaps a nutritionist or whoever is listening to this episode, we learn... You know everything. We might want to be a jack of all trades in the health industry, if I can say that. But I find the pressure is getting into niche markets. Mm -hmm. And what I love about having you on the show today is you have sort of branded yourself, but of a an eclectic background. So you haven't pigeonholed yourself into any one particular condition or illness, but you've branded yourself in such a way that it is all encompassing so I'd love to hear how that evolved for you and and I guess the whole point is is I just don't want anybody listening feeling like well if I don't niche then I can't be successful because you're the living proof that you don't have to but I think going back to what you were talking about figuring out your identity and who you want to stand for and how you want to stand for that is really the essence here so I'd love to hear your story
1: well, sure. Uh, you know, just in terms of my my background, uh, I started in college studying cultural anthropology, uh, which may seem like the least relevant thing to a medical practice. But I've noticed that a lot of uh, naturopaths uh, and a lot of uh, my colleagues uh, who are MDs uh, have a background in cultural anthropology. And why is that? Because of the cultural relativism that that implies. In other words, we don't look uh, down our noses at the cultural practices of, say, Amazon tribes. Uh, Maybe they have some medical practices that really don't make sense from the standpoint of uh, modern medicine, or maybe they do. Maybe upon further inquiry, we can discover that there's some medicinal property in the Mm -hmm. plants that they use. Uh, And so that provided me with sort of an open-minded view towards uh, natural approaches and towards, you know, other ways of practicing medicine as Mm -hmm. opposed to a straight and narrow. Um, At the time I was in uh, college, I'd it was a very square idea to go to medical school, so uh, I didn't take much science and I went out and worked for a couple of years. And then I decided that uh, I wanted to learn more about acupuncture and I was macrobiotic for a while. Uh, and uh, I started learning about uh, herbs. Mm-hmm. And then I said to myself, Do you know, I was working for the city of, of New York at the time. I said, Do I really want to become, uh, you know, assistant commissioner of sanitation uh, in 20 years, or do I want to do something different? That, really engages my interests, and I decided to apply to medical school. Mm-hmm. Problem was I took, had taken no sciences, so I had to kind of take a, a rapid uh, mm-hmm. uh, review of sciences to get into medical school. I made it in. In medical school, I was kind of a, uh, a stealth medical student. I was uh, eating uh, vegan, macrobiotic food, uh, and they thought I was a little bit of a weirdo, but I kept my views to myself, because you know, to start talking about this stuff while in medical school, you're going to get a lot of, uh, antagonism. Uh, graduated. I got into a, uh, program at New York university, uh, graduated that. And when I told them that I was leaving conventional medicine, some of my advisors there, uh, they thought that, uh, that, uh, I was losing an opportunity to, uh, become a, a good doctor, uh, or making uh, an adequate living. Right. So uh, they were kind of surprised that I would actually uh, engage in a type of practice where the main uh, activity was talking. Yeah. You know, they they said, gee, you know, how can you possibly uh, do that? Because you'll never make a, make a living." And I said, "Well, that's what I want to do. I want to talk to people about diet and lifestyle and vitamins and supplements." And so, uh, you know, I left conventional medicine much against the advice of my advisors. And I began to do, uh, uh, you know, my own version of integrative medicine.
0: And with that, have you found that there's been any issues with people finding you with your um, success as a practitioner by sticking to your roots, learning and using all of these tools that you have as opposed to just niching into one particular area?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I, I think that... Uh, what people are looking for, basically, uh, is the old-fashioned kind of doctor that they can come to with all and sundry problems. Mm-hmm. By the way, the, the noise that you're hearing in the background, um, I live in New York, and unpredictably, uh, people start renovating their apartments sometimes. Uh, so inconvenient. The, yes, right. But, you know, hopefully uh, you can hear me over the, you know, the background <laughs> yeah. noise. Uh, so... Uh, people really want that kind of uh you know the, the experience of that uh, all knowing primary care general practice doctor who they can broach you know virtually any kind of concern mm-hmm. with uh in this era of uh, fragmentation and specialization so that is actually one of the functions that a naturopath or uh, an integrative uh, physician can fulfill mm-hmm. it, and and just that i mean uh, you know you So many of my patients uh, are relatively prosperous and have great insurance and are uh, fully uh, engaged medically. They have specialists galore. Yes. uh, And yet they really appreciate the opportunity to sit down and have quality time with a doctor who looks at the whole picture. Yeah. And so that's been, that's really been the guiding principle of my practice uh, over the years. Uh, Part of the problem, though, is that to some extent, those uh, doctors who warn me, you know, how are you going to make a living? Uh, we're right, because, you know, if you're a cardiologist, you can do uh, stents. Uh, if you're a gastroenterologist, you can uh, do uh, endoscopy. They call that scoping for dollars mm-hmm. in the, you know, in medicine. Uh, and so uh, how do you monetize a practice where you spend a lot of quality time? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the ways you can do that is you can become a lead practitioner in a, um, uh, you know, in a, in a big center. And mm-hmm. for a while, I, I did that approach. I uh, had uh, other practitioners. I had an integrative uh, podiatrist and a chiropractor and an acupuncturist and a massage therapist. And I would rotate uh, gastroenterologists and cardiologists uh, into my practice. It was a big, big operation. Mm-hmm. And it was complex. And it was like a lot of uh, moving parts. Um, ultimately, what I decided is that um, the people were mostly there to see me. hmm And so, uh, you know, after doing that for a few years, I decided, you know, that the real core elements were me possibly working in conjunction with a nutritionist, a medical nutritionist who could take a little more time and spend time Mm -hmm. talking to patients about how to implement a diet program, uh, and how to take supplements. So another way that you can monetize is, uh, through procedures, uh, you can monetize through and. You know, as an MD, I was entitled to administer uh, vitamin C IVs right. yep. chelation therapy, something which I really, really believe in. So it wasn't just simply, you know, the profit motive that right. drove me to but it was actually an opportunity to give people a form of ancillary therapy that could be an income producer that could in effect subsidize what was a loss leader. You know, the, the if I just spent the time talking to people, I might see at most, you know, eight, 10, 12 patients during an exhausting right. day. Uh, but. You know, that would barely pay the the expense of rent in Manhattan and pay for the uh, the staff in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So those ancillary therapies actually help to uh, float the operation. Yeah. The other th- income producer for uh, our type of practitioner is uh, selling supplements, and selling supplements uh, is something accomplished in a couple of ways. Uh, one. You know, you can have an in-house dispensary. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, during a time in my career, I had a health food store. In fact, I had what was uh, then considered the largest health food store in Manhattan. Wow. It seems kind of, kind of laughable at this point when we have, uh-huh. you know, multiple Whole Foods and yeah. uh, Trader Joe's, uh, you know, really huge health food stores. But it was actually the first health food store in Manhattan where they we sold uh, natural meat, uh, mm-hmm. grass-fed and organic meat and uh, organic Products that weren't vegetarian the old-fashioned health food stores were like vegan, you know, there'd be like a like a rice be- bin or a bean bin right and you know, no animal products whatsoever uh, so that was another way to uh, create uh, a Form of supportive income for the practice because he would just say to patients well here, you know here's the diet that you really need to follow and you know, we stocked that at right. our store downtown. Right. Uh, in those days, there were very few places that were for those types of uh, ingredients. And of course, uh, supplements were available there too. Um, that was uh, you know, before the era of, of corporate natural food places. You know now that Whole Foods is run by Amazon. Uh, you know, I don't think I could compete with Amazon in 2018. Uh, there was an opportunity then, this is the 90s, but right. now Things have changed. Uh, another so another way to do your dispensary is you know you can have a big in-house dispensary that requires a lot of management staff time, uh, but the patients love it. You know they can come to a window mm-hmm. after you've told them what to to uh, take and fill up a shopping bag with the right things, and you're pretty you know more likely to get to capture that business rather than people leaving and going online. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, lately, I've decided to take advantage of some of the new um, Technology and use an online dispensary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very And the online dispensaries is very big. The, the disadvantages of the online dispensary is that it's less intimate. Uh, you know, people like to, frankly, schmooze with the sup the person at the supplement window, and they right. like to call and spend time with them. And my uh, practice skews perhaps a little bit more geriatric. You know, me being a little of an older practitioner. Uh, I mean, I've I've grown old with them. And they don't like to so much go online but maybe yes. for younger practitioners with a little more with it clientele they're okay with that yeah um, also the profit margin is less frankly you give for the convenience and the savings of not having yes. a dispensary and they manage it for you uh, your profit margin is going to be uh, uh, reduced yes so um, those are those are some options for helping to monetize you know I'm trying to give people some business advice from, from my experience, you know, one of the things not to scrimp on, in my opinion, is, uh, staff salaries. Mm-hmm. I think you want to, you want to really create, uh, a, an excellent expert staff and pay them well Yes, because they really, uh, reflect on you. Yes. Uh, I would
0: hundred percent agree. You
1: know, in, in the first few years of my practice, I had a lot of staff turnover. Uh, you know, perhaps we didn't, uh, we weren't mad, as well, and people would say, you know, I come to this practice um, because of you, Dr. Hoffman. Uh, you're great, but you know, I have a lot of trouble when I get to the front desk. Yes. And it was like, oh, I had to work extra hard to overcome that. Yeah. As we improved things, it it almost became the opposite. <laughs> it was not that I was bad, but it was like, oh, I want to commend you, Dr. Hoffman, on your people. They're terrific. Keep them. We love them. You yeah. know, and that's an important ingredient in a practice because. That's such so sorely lacking in conventional medicine is that if you go to see the topest doctor in uh, the the best academic institution, they are saddled with staff people who are burnt out, mm-hmm. uh, don't care, yep. uh, sometimes uh, actually contemptuous of the patients, and it's such a turnoff. It's it and it's a disconnect because you have these very devoted medical practitioners and mm-hmm. their staff. They are very. Uh, poorly motivated sometimes. Yeah.
0: And if I can take an aside there, because I sure. know there's a lot of people that are listening that can't necessarily afford or don't have office managers or or a need for staff yet, or perhaps are an associate in another clinic. And I think, number one, if you are running everything on your own, you have to go above and beyond for your patients and clients to make sure that every touch point they have is amazing that they feel secure and welcomed by you because i think often even as us as practitioner we don't want to do the admin we don't Mm -hmm. want to do the calling and it's and it's it comes that's why we're doing what we're
1: doing because if we were terrific business people (laughs) we would have gone to business we would have gotten mbas we would be in private equity right you know probably doing a little better than we're doing, but yeah. but that's why we're in the field that we love.
0: And so creating systems yeah. around that, like I, I love to promote online booking and things like that to take away a mm-hmm. little bit of the, the need for having office management, but patients still feel like they're getting great care. Um, right. And if you are an associate, I think it's important to talk to the owner. And, and express your feelings about how the office management is being run at the front desk and how important yeah. it is for your business too. Um, now I wanted to take a little bit of a sidestep here as well and I wanted to talk about how important it is to create just that internal identity you know, of myself as practitioner, because that's really where everything starts. Like it's not about the branding. It's not about the niching. It's not about the systems. It's about figuring out who you are as a practitioner and conveying that to people that want to work with you. And I wanted to ask you how that evolved with yourself so that you became very comfortable with what it is that you do, comfortable with how it is that you say things, how you educate people. How did you sort of come into that level of comfort with who you are as a practitioner?
1: Well, it's an organic process and it's a process of uh, natural uh, maturation. Uh, You know, I think um, uh, some of it is just serendipity because in my case, uh, Intelligent Medicine uh, was the title of of one of my books. Right. Uh, And. You know, after writing that book and after the popularity of that book, is quite some time ago, uh, I thought, okay, well, you know, let's take that and let's take that as a theme so that people uh, get it. You know, what's the the elevator proposal Mm -hmm. for your practice? Mm -hmm. What, you know, what do you want to connote to people out there? And for me, so for example, I mean, you, you can situate yourself somewhere on the spectrum of medicine. Um, it, you can, you can become, a, a, a very, very radical type practitioner who does, um, things that are, uh, really, uh, on the cutting edge or over the cutting edge. Sometimes I refer to it, you know, very esoteric types of uh, procedures. I decided that's not where I wanted to be, although at various times in my career, I have explored uh, oxidative therapies, ozone Mm -hmm. therapy, you know, some things that are, uh, you know, prolotherapy, uh, uh, things that were um, now I think I would say, well, you know, there are some really excellent people doing those things, but I'm going to be more. Uh, In the middle of the road Mm -hmm. of integrated medicine, which is already, you know, by some the middle of the road of integrated medicine is considered outright quackery (laughs) by a High percentage of conventional doctors. Welcome.
0: Welcome to our world. (laughs) That was sort of
1: my comfort zone, you know, that ultimately I discovered but only more, you know, after trial and error after seeing, you know, What works with patients and how I felt about the value of what I was offering to them So that I think uh, came as a organic process now that won't be the process for some people, some people may want to be, uh, more cautious and more conservative. They're, they're MDs, for example, who practice integrated medicine, but they, they want to maintain their, their conventional medicine credentials. They don't want to walk away as so completely as I did. Uh, they want to keep stay, for example, board certified in rheumatology and be able to prescribe drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, that uh, that ship has left the port already. You know, when I kind of walked away from a mainstream medicine. On the other hand, there may be some people who um, want to do uh, some really uh, things that are almost uh, challenging uh, the authorities to. Uh, they, they, they're sort of they're riding the edge of their their skis yes. when it comes to legality. Let's yes. put it that. Way. And and that's and they want to be those kind of innovators. I'm not putting them down for it. Yep. But that can be that can be kind of a challenging path, too.
0: And so the, the point of the, and the messaging that we're trying to get across here is you don't have to be way at one spectrum. You don't have to be way at the other spectrum. I think once you figure out what you feel comfortable with and who you want to stand for, just own that and be very mm-hmm. proud of that. Yeah. And, and kind of use that as your your branding and as your positioning.
1: Right. It, it always works best because it's authentic. And when you're authentic, uh, you're more effective patients, uh, sense that. And also it, it helps you avoid burnout mm-hmm. because if you are inauthentic, uh, it's just, not, you're, you're just not going to have a long, sustainable uh, career. If you're aspiring to be something that, uh, you're not suited to be, it's going to be really tough on you psychologically.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a very important point because, you know, we can tout all of the really expensive therapies like IV therapy and everything else, but if innately it's just not something you want to do and you're riding it for the hopefully financial outcome, it's going to show in your business. And so the last point that I want to make with you, Ronald, if I can, is how do we now extrapolate us as who we want to be as practitioner and start using social media and the media and things like that to really help spread our name and reputation out there?
1: Well, that's, that's interesting because I was very lucky, but my luck turned into misfortune. I'll put it. I'll explain how. Uh, I was very fortunate that at a time when it was very hard for many practitioners to get a radio show, mm-hmm. I got a radio show, and I, I was not only that, I was even paid for it for many years, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very unusual opportunity to to message, to get out there, to have visibility and branding. Uh, secure in the knowledge that I had a radio show, um, I f- many of my colleagues who did not have that opportunity, as they became aware of the social media revolution Mm -hmm. via Facebook and Twitter, and they became experts at manipulating social media, manipulating it, or shall we say, uh, utilizing it. (laughs) Uh, while I just kind of, you know, was saying, Hey, I don't need to do that because I have such great outreach through, uh, my radio program. Uh Uh, then radio changed and there was a abrupt change in radio and actually AM radio stations are going uh, bankrupt left and right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I found radio less valuable and also radio uh, saddled me with a little bit more of an aging demographic because, uh, I would wager that you probably don't turn on AM radio that much. Maybe when you're in your car, and you want to hear the news, but you probably don't listen to it on a voluntary basis. And so, uh, it became a a channel that actually was limiting for me and Mm -hmm. I had to, Kind of play catch-up all rapidly. So I said, well, I'll, I'll convert my radio show into a podcast. Hmm. In those days, what are podcasts? Is this going to work? Well, I said, you know, I'm so used to the rhythm of doing a daily radio show. Let me do, you know, just weekend radio shows and do a daily podcast. Began doing that. And uh, podcasts have caught on. The Podcasts yeah. are very competitive. You know, there's so many out there. Um, also, uh, web design is really important get, you know, you can't just rely on a clunky website it has yeah. to be beautiful and functional and it's worth spending some money on that. Um, what I rely upon to some extent as I want to share is uh, the Paul Newman effect, because I uh, so I think you probably. Remember who Paul Newman was? Yes. Paul Newman's the great actor with the beautiful, beautiful blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is, if you go into a supermarket and you see a like a whole row of salad dressings, and you, you know, it's hard to distinguish one from the other, and you see Paul Newman's uh, visage looking out at you with his beautiful blue eyes. He's dead now, but it doesn't matter. Uh, you'll often reach for the Paul Newman salad dressing because you'll say, "Well, he's a good guy, and you know, I can relate to him." Yeah. This is actually what you want to do in terms of your branding. You want to be that person that people can identify with that you say, well, I'll support their products. I'll support their practice. Uh, I want to buy their books. Um, That's what you're trying to achieve with all the messaging that you do.
0: And I think it's important while we're talking about that to understand how long it takes for the messaging to start to take effect. Like you can't start a podcast and then all of a sudden be a podcast sensation and all these people know who you are right? and they're flocking towards you. And I think the level of grit for a lot of practitioners, they don't understand like for this podcast that we're on right now, it's taken me two, almost three years for it to really get momentum and start to get some clout and get people no. giving me feedback but I knew well, that from m- the very beginning. multiply that
1: by a factor of ten and, <laughs> and you sort of see the trajectory of my career because it's really <laughs> right. taken a lot of time to uh, create the uh, goodwill that, that keeps propelling me you know
0: And I think that's something that's really important for people to remember is you're doing this for them. You're doing this to show um, what kind of person you are. You're doing this to extend that olive branch to people that potentially want to work with you. But it Mm -hmm. is not an overnight sensation and it always takes a great deal of, as I said, grit to make that happen. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think all the points that you're making are wonderful. Is there anything else that we haven't yet talked about today that you think would be important for our listeners?
1: Let's talk a little just for a second about books. Yes. Uh, A lot of people have the idea that they want to write a book. uh, And that's wonderful, you know, but be sure that when you write a book, that it's a book that, again, really captures your identity. And that's not just I want to write a book. What do I write about? Well, I'll just fill it with words. It's got to be an important project that's worthwhile. And also when you do a book, you really need to do a very, very concerted campaign. You can't depend on the, uh, on the book, uh, seller. You even if it's a big publisher to do the job for you, you need to do your hire, your own public relations. You need to do the web design, uh, that incorporates that because a book these days is just part of a campaign. Correct. A book should be viewed as, uh, not, well, write a book. That's great. You know, i uh, book to your name, you want to view it as, as a uh, piece or part of a campaign that's a concerted campaign mm-hmm. uh, to get the word out about your message and also to, uh, you know, perhaps uh, situate you where you want to be as yes. uh, project yourself as an expert on a certain subject.
0: Yeah, I think most people say the book didn't make me money. It was what came from the book yes. that made me the money.
1: And occasionally, you know, you might uh, get lucky. You know, just it's lightning may strike, and you may actually make some money. But don't expect to make a lot of money from yeah. books these days, because it's the publishing business is kind of like the radio business.
0: The one thing is, that people, yeah, people never throw a book away. That's why when I wrote mine, I said at the very least, my book isn't going to end up in the trash.
1: Well, I. Uh, in fact, they live forever uh, on uh, my iPad. <laughs> yeah, there
0: you go. Immortal, right? Yes. <laughs> um, Ronald, I just want to thank you so much for your time and for being on the show today. And um, if people wanted to get in touch with you personally, what's a great way to do that?
1: Yeah, you can uh, uh, follow me at uh, drhoffman.com. And um, you know one way that you can uh, email me is program at aol.com is the place for messages. So uh, check it out, subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, I hope that some of your uh, your podcast followers become podcast followers of mine.
0: Me too. Well, thank you again so much, and I hope you're having, or I hope you have and are having a great day.
1: Yes, and a quiet day.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. Knock on the door, knock on the wall, say hey you.
1: It wouldn't help.
0: <laughs> okay, Ronald, thank you again so much. Thank you. And there you have it, folks, another episode of the Profitable Practice Podcast in the books. And I hope that, as I mentioned, it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off for how you're going to run your practice and how quickly things need to happen. And you just take a breath and recognize who you are, why you're doing what you're doing, and you're always coming from that very health-centered place. So... For some of you, you're going to listen to these shows and you're going to take immediate action. For a lot of you, you're going to listen to the show, be really inspired, and then as soon as you get distracted by something else, forget all the things that you are pumped up and ready to do and you might end up doing nothing. So I encourage all of you to reach out to me, email me info at themaximmovement.com and we can set up a time to chat and figure out what's going on in your business, how I can help you really start to take the reins and make some serious moves happen and really, you know, create that business for 2018 that you've always dreamed of. But what it does is it takes for you to take that next step, Email me directly, info at themaximmovement.com. We'll sit, we'll have a chat, and we'll figure out what we can do together to really get your business soaring. I really look forward to hearing from you. And again, I want to thank you all so much for consistently listening, subscribing, downloading, sharing this show, because the more people we can touch, then the better this is going to be for our community. Uh, This is Andrea Maxim. Thank you for listening, and I'm out. You guys are killer. Thank you as always for listening to the Profitable Practice Podcast. Leave me a comment and if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. Definitely subscribe to this podcast and leave me a quick review. For those ready to maximize your practice, contact me at www.maximizedbusiness.ca.